This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book One, Exiles. Chapter 22, The Hungry and the Hunted. For his part, Assam learned quite a lot about foxes that night, none of it good. Along with the yearly lessons in flirting, artifice, and cruelty, the advanced courses covered habitat and hygiene as well. He followed the fox into the hills of garbage. The stench was overpowering as she led him deeper through the maze of rubbish. He put his hand to his mouth to keep from gagging, stumbling and sliding his way through the jumble of trash. The fox had an easier time of it. At her size, she could move over and under things more easily than he. They were not alone, Assam soon realized. He could hear rustlings around them and the sound of scuttling creatures fleeing from their approach. Larger, bolder animals watched as they passed, eyes glinting in the gloom. The fox went on, ignoring everything, intent only on her winding path through the hills. Here and there, small fires burned, low, ragged forms gathered around, huddling together for warmth. Assam thought to call out for help, but he wasn't sure if that was a good idea or not. They passed a small fire nearby, two forms sitting side by side, staring into the flames. A small pod hung over the fire, stirred by the larger of the two figures. The smaller one stretched out its hand and immediately received a stinging blow to the side of the head. Assam heard the smack of the blow, the whining cry from the smaller one as it held its head in its hands. It lashed out at the larger figure, kicking it in the side. The larger shape drew back and rose up. The smaller one growled and snarled, reaching again for the pot. The larger shape picked up an oblong piece of rubbish and swung it once, twice, three times into the smaller form. There were a series of shrieks, and then the small figure crumpled into itself and lay still. The larger figure stood there for a moment, heaving with exertion. It pulled a dark, curved shadow from its pocket. Assam saw the dull gleam of metal in the firelight and crouched down next to the prone figure. Slowly, it began peeling strips off of the smaller form with its knife and feeding them, one by one, into the bubbling pot. Assam decided to take his chances with the fox. The inside of Edgar's car smelled like sour milk, like an old thermos G had left in her locker at school one time. She'd taken it home, and her mother threw up in the kitchen sink when she opened it. They ended up having to throw it out. Someone would need to throw out his car, sooner or later. You know what would be nice? Edgar asked. What? It'd be nice if you read to me while I drove. He looked over at her. How about it? Why don't you grab me one of the books from the back? I can't read in the car, she shook her head. I get carsick. This wasn't true at all, but she had heard her mother say it once. He did not look at her. You can't read, can you? Sure I can. I just get carsick. Uh-huh. They drove on in silence for a moment. Did you know that words have smells and colors? just like everything else. She looked at him, not sure if he was making a joke or just being a jerk. It's true. Think about it. When we talk, when we tell stories or jokes or sing, we're using our breath, drawing these things up from where they sleep inside of us, breathing them out. That's why your school smells so old and dusty, because all your teachers are breathing out those old words and ideas that have been gathering dust and going stale. And that's why angry people and mean people smell so sour, spitting out all that old pickled hate they keep inside. And that's why your mother's bedtime stories smell so sweet, 
because she's been keeping them inside, in the place where she keeps her love for you. She thought about this for a moment. Okay. Do you know what else smells? Your car? She did not ask. What? Lies, he said. You know what they smell like? No. You, he said. They smell just like you. Gee, didn't say anything. You can't read, can you? She shook her head. You shouldn't lie to people. Sorry. Edgar shrugged. Don't worry about it. I've lied to you plenty of times already, and I expect I'll lie some more before we're through. He looked at her, suddenly serious. But don't lie to me, ever again. She nodded. They drove on in silence. She wondered to herself what kind of words smelled like sour milk. After a while, the fox shifted direction and led Assam along a narrow path to the top of a high hill. It was a difficult climb and he stumbled often. His hands were scratched and his clothes torn on the broken glass and bits of rusted metal and wire. Near the top, he stepped on a patch of soft, rotting trash and fell. When he put his hand out to catch himself, an old twisted coat hanger snagged on his palm, cutting him. He couldn't help but cry out in pain and surprise and frustration. The cut wasn't particularly deep, no more than a scratch, really. And he rose and continued on to the crest of the hill where the fox was waiting for him. She sniffed his hand, then licked the cut. He tried very hard not to scream. There was a small smear of red on her nose. She licked it off with a casual flick of her tongue and turned, heading down the other side of the hill. Below, Assam could see a thin stream following a winding path between the junk-strewn hills. He, of course, followed after. He kept his eyes on the ground, watching for solid footing. Not that he was in control of where his feet fell. A little ways down the hill, he glanced up. The fox had vanished. He blinked and would have stopped in his tracks, but his feet kept moving. He scanned the hillside for some sign of the fox. There was a small hole cuddenly hidden between a television with a shattered screen and a largish crate filled with what looked like old, rotting, stuffed animals. Television? Assam thought to himself. They have television here? And then he was in the dark, crawling on his hands and knees, gagging on the staleness of the air and the fox's lair. The tunnel was a tight fit, and soft dirt sprinkled in from the tops and sides, making passage difficult and slow. Assam closed his eyes to keep the loose soil from getting in them. Then, reconsidering, he opened them again. It was dark. He was underground, after all. But there was just enough light trickling in from behind to see clearly. Not that there was much to see. He was very aware that somewhere, up ahead... The fox was waiting for him. They'd driven as far as they could. Eventually, the trash got too deep and the car could go no further. Edgar turned off the engine and they got out. After the sour air of Edgar's car, G had been happy to be out in the open air again. That is, until she got a whiff of the reeking mounds of garbage outside. Where are we going? She cupped her hand over her nose. I've smelled worse, believe me. He surveyed the hills around them. This is nothing compared to what my village smelled like at the end. At the end of what? Little thing they call the Black Plague, he said. Maybe that's why the stink in the car doesn't bother him, she thought to herself. He's used to it. He doesn't even smell it anymore. Edgar stood, his eyes half-closed. He turned one direction, then another. Come on, he told her, starting up one of the hills. How do you know which way to go? Just following my nose. Edgar grinned. Come on. 
Let's go hunt some foxes. The tunnel went on longer than Assam expected, sloping downward into the heart of the hill. The air was dry but smelled foul of dirt and animals. He tried to slow his progress by arching his back, pressing it against the roof of the tunnel. It didn't help much, apart from bringing down a shower of loose earth into his eyes and mouth. His arms and legs kept moving him forward, carrying him deeper into the hill. He spat mud. Suddenly he stopped, as though someone had thrown a switch somewhere. He couldn't move, but he had stopped, so that was something. In the dim light he could make out a small opening off to his right, a little chamber connected to the main tunnel. There, in the shadows, the glint of eyes staring back at him. He blinked, trying to focus. He could see the fox in there, smaller shapes gathering around her, yapping softly. They were babies, little fluffy versions of their mother, and very cute. Yeah, cute and hungry, he reminded himself. And guess who's coming to dinner, kids? The fox looked at him like he was a peeping Tom. She flipped her nose to one side, and he started crawling down the tunnel again. Beyond the chamber, it was harder going. The tunnel got narrower and sloped awkwardly to one side, throwing him off balance as his hand struggled to find purchase on the floor. As he went along, he felt little prickling stabs of pain in his palms and knees, something on the floor splintering under his weight. Bones. He was crawling over bones, cast-offs from previous meals, remnants of former prey, unfortunate animals brought home by the fox. Like me, he thought to himself. Still crawling, he tried very hard not to cry. The tunnel opened up into a much larger chamber. The air inside was rank and stale, like an old refrigerator, a horrible sweetness, rotten and foul and old. In the dim light, he saw pale bones larger than those in the tunnel. He recognized them from his school books. They were human. He turned his head away, trying not to scream. Then he saw her. She must have been a little bit older than him. Her hair, what was left of it, might have once been blonde. Now it was clumped together and dusty, like cobwebs. She might have been pretty once as well. It was hard to tell with her face half-eaten away and one empty eye socket glaring back at him, the rotting teeth and jawbone showing through the ragged scraps of her cheek. Her hands were gone, and one leg was stripped down to the bone almost all the way to the hip. She wore a faded rubber rain boot that looked like it might have once been yellow and bright. One remaining eye stared at him, dull and lifeless. Then she blinked, that eye filmed with dust and misery, slowly closing and opening again like a rusty hinge. She was alive, Assam realized, held in silent thrall to the fox who, day by day, was picking her clean. Fresh meat, still alive so it wouldn't spoil. He opened his mouth, but like the girl, he couldn't scream without permission from that horrible animal will that ruled them both. The girl looked at him, that ruined face, scoured with suffering and fear. He wanted to reach out to her, to touch her hand, to wipe away the pain and fear shining out from that horrible staring eye. But he couldn't. He couldn't do a thing but stare back at her. He wondered what her name had been and how the fox had found it out. And so, sad and frightened, they waited together. The fox would come for them soon. Standing at the top, G looked down the hill strewn with trash to the banks of the dirty stream trickling below. She wrinkled her nose. Edgar was scanning the ground around them, pacing back and forth, kicking bits and pieces of rubbish and clearing an open path. Well, G asked, where do we go now? Down, he grinned at her, pointing at the ground between his feet. 
we go down. He gestured to her to come over. Before we do this, he said, you owe me one, right? She nodded. You have to say it. Okay. He shook his head. No, you have to say it. I owe you one. Say it again. She sighed. I owe you one. You do? Yes, she said, irritated. Say it again. G rolled her eyes. Why were all boys like this? I owe you one, she said, as though she were speaking to a baby. Happy now? Barry, he grinned at her, all gap-toothed and goofy. Now, I need one more thing. What? Something of your brother's. Something that belongs to him. Like what? He shrugged. I don't know. I don't care. Something he touched or carried. Like what? G asked again. Like anything. It doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, then why do you need it? Edgar looked at her. Keep in mind, we should probably hurry. I don't have anything. And you couldn't have said that five minutes ago? He was looking at the ground beneath their feet. Check your pockets. Make sure. I'm sure. He looked at her. Make sure. She shoved her hands into the pockets of her jeans. Nothing. What about your coat? He snapped his fingers. Come on. She stared at him. Well, don't ever do that again. What? That. She snapped her fingers. He sighed. Okay, fine. Whatever. Will you check now? She dug into her left pocket, pulling out all the little trinkets and toys she kept there. Hair clips and an old marble, a couple of rocks that looked interesting to her, a sugar packet from the diner. She looked back up at him. Nothing. Try the other one. He didn't snap his fingers this time, but she could tell he wanted to. The other pocket had more of the same. Then, near the bottom, she held out something in her open palm, picked a stray bit of lint off of it, showing it to Edgar. What about this? He looked at it warily. What is it? It's a vitamin. What's a vitamin? It's a... What? She looked at him like he was an idiot. Really? He held his hand up. I don't care. Is it his? She nodded. He threw it at me. Perfect. That'll work. Okay. She held it out to him, but he stepped back in alarm. Don't give it to me, he said, putting his hands behind his back. I don't want it, whatever it is, and if you give it to me, then it won't work. Won't, won't. Don't worry about it. Stand over there. He pulled her to the center of the space he'd cleared. Don't move. As she watched, he walked backwards around her, dragging his heel in the ground to make a lopsided ring in the dirt. What are you doing? He stepped into the ring with her and grinned. Wittishens. Witta what? You ever get tired of asking questions? Before she could answer, he went on. Now, just close your... He trailed off thoughtfully. What? She asked. We should sit down. Why? He gave her a look that she was really starting to dislike. I'm guessing there's not going to be a lot of headroom where we're going. He sat down, crossed his legs. After a moment, she did the same. They faced each other. He reached out and took her wrist. Close your eyes. She closed her eyes. Quietly, he said, Now, can you feel the... Can you feel it in your hand? She nodded. The vitamin was very small in her hand and starting to crumble a bit. She wondered if that would be a problem. Good. Hold on to it. Hold it tight and think of your brother. Do you remember him? Can you see him there in your mind? Can you hear his voice in your head? Can you feel him there below us, alone and afraid? Yes. 
she wasn't just going along with him. Somehow, she could. Is it still there in your hand, that thing he gave you? He squeezed her wrist. Is it still there? She nodded. Is he still there? Is he close? Yes. She heard him take a deep breath and hold it. He let it out. Right. Open your eyes. She did. Assam sat with his back against the wall, thankful that he couldn't turn his head, thankful that he couldn't see the half-eaten girl sitting next to him. But he could hear the breath whistling in and out of that horrible ruined cheek. That was worse, somehow, than having to look at her. He wondered how long she'd been down there in the dark. He wondered what she was thinking. He wondered if she was thinking about him, if she was happy for the company, if she was relieved to know that the fox had fresh meat. Or maybe those raw red blooms on her face and body were the only thing on her mind. There was a rustling in the tunnel, and the fox padded into the chamber, head low, eyes hooded. She came across the floor, passing a psalm without even a glance. Inside, his mind was screaming in panic, but he could not move, he could not do anything, but wait to feel her hot, rank breath on his neck, those jagged yellow teeth tearing into his cheek. He heard a low snuffling next to him and wondered if the fox would finish with the girl before starting on him. He hoped so, and then he recoiled in horror at the thought, Bad enough to wish for it, but even worse to know that he would have to sit through the whole thing, listening as the fox finished her grisly meal. The fox reappeared, her muzzle inches from his face. A few dark beads hung from her whiskers like jewels. She looked him in the eye for a long moment. He could feel her will wrapping tight around him, forged in the animal fires burning in her heart. The fox licked her lips and blinked, dipping her head towards his. He could not move, he could not fight, he could not even scream. There was a sudden sound in the chamber below the earth, quick and harsh, like a piece of cloth being torn. The fox snapped up, staring into the dimness of the chamber. She barked a quick and angry sound. From up the passage, Assam heard the answering yelp of her kits. The fox snarled low, growling at two figures sitting together nearby in the darkness. Um, he heard his sister's voice. Where are we? Assam wanted to shout to tell her that he was here, but the fox's will held him fast. Let me handle this. Assam didn't recognize the other voice, but he understood that she had brought help. The fox barked again, territorial and fierce, but Assam could hear fear in her voice as well. Is that a dog? His sister sounded confused, but not frightened at all. He wanted to shout, to warn her. It's a fox. The other voice, the boy, sounded very sure of himself. This is her lair. Where's my brother? He saw her shadow move and the other reach out. Let me go. Shut up. The fox was coiled beside Assam, watching all of this in silence. He could feel her twitch, getting ready to spring. But before she could leap, there was a snap in the darkness and the sudden flare of a flame. Assam saw his sister's face suddenly, lit with an amber glow. The pockmarked boy from the diner was sitting next to her, holding the match. In the faint flicker of the light, the fox crouched low between her prey and the intruders. Her ears were flat against her skull and her teeth were bared. She narrowed her eyes. The boy, what was his name? Edmund? Edward? Was speaking to the fox. Nobody wants to hurt you, girl. Just give us the boy. And we'll leave you in peace. The fox snarled. He gave himself to me, knowingly and willingly. Did he now? The boy cocked an eye. From where I'm sitting, 
It doesn't look so knowing or willing. He lowered his voice. Reasonable. You know who I am, Fox. You know who I am. He lit another match off of the first. Now, give me the boy and your kids will live to see another day. And you'll live to see them live it. The fox snarled again, shifting back and forth on her paws, preparing the charge. My prey, my den, she said. I do not fear your puny magic here, boy. Edgar, that was his name, Assam remembered. Edgar opened his mouth to reply when suddenly the chamber was filled with a piercing shriek of raw horror. It was G. She had seen the girl, that poor, chewed bundle of scraps propped up in the corner, just still alive enough to see and understand what was happening to her, what would happen to her, and worst of all, understand that no rescue was coming for her. G saw all of this, and so she screamed. It was a horrible, piercing sound, and it went on for as long as she had breath to feed it. The fox barked and flattened her ears back, making as if she were about to leap at the girl, but Edgar slid in between them, holding up his little flames. Easy there, bitch, he said. Y'all done with dinner. Assam watched as Edgar brought his palms together around the match and then drew them apart. Suddenly, two flames sprang to life, one floating from each of his upturned palms. Assam then realized that the boy had not been holding a match at all. The fox took a few steps backwards, still growling. Edgar brought his palms together again and pulled them apart once more, doubling the flames right in front of the fox's nose. The animal whined. The boy's eyes glittered in the firelight as he made the same gesture with his hands, stretching out a whole chain of fire between his palms. He smiled closed mouth and grim, pointed to Assam with a sharp jerk of his chin. Let him go, he said. He pushed his hands towards the fox, driving her back. Let him go and live to see another day. The fox scuttled back against the wall and whined, but her teeth were still bared, and the fire in her eyes burned brighter than the reflected flicker of Edgar's little flame. She stared, silent. Assam watched her eyes flick back and forth between the poor girl and him. She was strong, he knew, but she was still just a little girl, and this was more than she should ever have to see. The fox snarled back at Edgar, talking in her own tongue of barks and growls, as angry as any human language on earth or below it. Edgar laughed and barked back at her. Assam couldn't tell if the boy was actually speaking to the animal or just mocking her. Burner, G said, voice low. Burner now. The fox shifted, edging closer to the exit tunnel, closer to freedom. Assam wanted to shout to warn Edgar and his sister. But the boy understood. He slapped his hands together and drew them apart once more, spreading a fan of flames open between them. The air in the chamber was getting hot. The fox was panting. She huffed once a brief chuckle and said, I do not think you want so much to burn me as you say. She edged a step closer to the tunnel. If you burn me, I will run and I am swift and I will be gone and your boy will be lost to you forever. His will may never return. I will take it with me when I die. A long time from now, and far from this place. Edgar's eyes wavered. Assam saw it, and he knew the fox saw it too. She wouldn't cut and run, Assam thought. She wouldn't leave her children to fend for themselves. He knew it, but Edgar and G didn't, and he couldn't tell them. For a moment, the fox had the upper hand, filling the chamber with her triumph, brighter than any flame Edgar could conjure. And then, just as quickly, it was gone, blown away by G's words, quiet and powerful in the darkness. You can't run, Fox. You are old and withered. Your joints creak and ache. 
Your eyes are milk and your fur is thin. The fox whined, shivering as though G's words were running over her like knives. Assam felt something loosen inside ever so slightly as the fox lowered her head. G crouched forward on her hands and knees until she was practically nose to nose with the animal. Listen to me, she said. Your fur is thin. Your eyes are clouds. Your nose gone dry and cold, fox. Can you feel it? The fox shuddered, and to Assam's amazement, she suddenly looked shriveled and worn. Her pelt began to fade and grow patchy, the ribs underneath showing through. She crouched low, moaning. Her mouth hung open and she was panting, tongue lolling out, caked and dry as the desert above them. So old, fox, so tired. She battered at the animal with her voice. Too tired to ever bother us again. Not me or my brother or anyone else. Yes? The fox nodded, rolling her suddenly pale and milky eyes. She shoved her face forward. Yes? The fox whimpered meekly. Yes, she said, her voice hollow. She sat back. That's right. You won't. You can't. Because you're dead. Then, with a final shudder, the fox lay her head to one side. A low whine welled up from deep inside before trailing off into silence. Assam felt the bonds of will slip away from him, dissipate and dissolve with that last remaining breath that rattled once inside the fox's chest before going quiet forever. G's eyes found his and she smiled, looking far older and more grown up than she ever had before. Hi, she said. Sorry I was late. But before Assam could reply, the chamber was filled with screams. With the fox gone, all of her spells had gone with her. If he was free, the fox's other victim was free as well. If he could move again, so could the girl. If he could scream, so could she, only she had so much more to scream about. In a flash, G was across the chamber sitting next to the girl, stroking her remaining unblemished cheek to calm her down. Shh, she said. I know, it hurts. It's okay. It's okay. The poor ruined girl made vague sounds of choking horror in her throat. She turned her eyes to the younger girl and, with a horrible creak of her splintered jawbone, she gasped, Please! She put her hand over the girl's eyes. You can go now, too. I'm so sorry we didn't get here sooner. I'm so sorry. She took her hand away and, with a grateful sigh, the light went out of the poor girl's eyes. She dipped her head. After a long, silent moment, she raised it again to look at Edgar. Can we go now? Edgar shrugged and waved his hands, extinguishing the flames. They made their way back up the tunnel, back to the world above. Edgar led, with G second, and Assam struggling along behind as best he could. His arms and legs ached, like some illness had settled in them. He tried hard to keep up, but it was slow going. He was concentrating so hard on moving along that he ran right into his sister, stopped midway through the tunnel. She was peering in at the fox's litter of kits. Edgar held one thin flame at the ready on the tip of his forefinger. Tiny eyes glittered in the flickering darkness, frightened and wary. G shoved in past Edgar and cooed over the tiny bundles of auburn flesh. Lay them be, Edgar said. I'll take care of them. G looked at him in horror. But they're just babies. Edgar shrugged. They're foxes is what they are. And sooner or later... They'll be big foxes, all tails and tricksies like their mom. But we can't just leave them here. Edgar raised three fingers, 
flames trembling on the tips. Better to burn them, then. No! G blew at his fingers, and they went out like candles on a birthday cake. Suit yourself, Edgar said in the darkness. He crawled on through the tunnel, leaving the other children behind. I think we should take them with us, G said over her shoulder to Assam. Maybe we could raise them to be nice. Maybe. Assam wasn't so sure he disagreed with Edgar. I'm not leaving these poor things to starve. She wriggled out of her coat and laid it on the open tunnel floor, reaching into the den. Careful, her brother said. They might bite. Oh, it's perfectly ow. She drew her hand out and quickly shook it. You okay? She sighed. No, I'm bleeding to death. From inside the hole, one of the foxes yelped at her, defiant. Assam tried not to smile, even in the darkness. Do you still have your mittens? What? Your gloves. Give them to me. Why? To protect my hands, dummy. Don't call me dummy. I need your gloves. Use your own. His own gloves were new, and he didn't necessarily want them getting shredded by little foxy teeth. I can't. Why not? Because I don't have them. Assam rolled his eyes. She was constantly, notoriously losing her mittens. From up the tunnel, they could hear Edgar calling to them. Come on! She held her hands out. Assam hesitated and then reached into the pocket of his coat. As he handed them over, he said, It's like there's always going to be someone bossing me around. Yeah, that's got to be tough for you, she said, taking the gloves. Now, shut up. You're frightening them. There were three of them in all, each one no larger than a newborn kitten, and she gathered them all up in her jacket, carrying them up through the tunnel with her brother following close behind. How did you do that back there? Assam asked her. With your voice. I have no idea, she said. But you're welcome. Edgar was waiting for them when they came out. It was still night, although the sky had a slight lightning to one side, going gently from gray to black. Assam wondered briefly how there could be dawn when there was no sun. Look, G said, displaying her makeshift bag of foxes for Edgar. Aren't they cute? The boy curled his lip. No, they're not cute in the slightest. She pouted, looking down at the little bundle in her arms. One of the foxes stared back up at her and, unexpectedly, licked her face. Ugh, Assam shuddered remembering his blood on the fox's bright red tongue. Exactly, Edgar nodded to him. You saw what foxes can do. Remember that poor girl down there? That wasn't their fault, G stuck her chin out. They don't know any better. They won't hurt us. She bounced the foxes in her arms, and they yelped with excitement and possibly nausea. Will you babies? They will, Edgar said grimly. They always do, and the only way to be sure that they don't is fire. I said I would help you, but this is where I draw the line. He drew his finger across the air, and at its tip a flame flickered to life, trailing a bright line in front of her face. G didn't move. They're mine. I saved them. You can't hurt them. Edgar cocked his head to one side and grinned at her. Oh, can't I? His voice was quiet, amused, and more than slightly nasty. Assam, despite the ache in his arms and legs, stood up. Just let her have them. It's not that big a deal. Edgar barely looked at him. For someone who is almost supper, you certainly are talking a lot. Assam took a step towards the boy, reasonable. Listen, touch me and you'll regret it. Edgar didn't take his eyes off the foxes. Now, put them down and let's be done with it. No, I won't, G said. I wager you would, Edgar said quietly, 
if they were on fire. He held his hand up, one finger still burning. I'm going to count to ten, he said with phony patience. G stared back at him. Come on, guys. Assam looked back and forth between the two of them. One. Edgar started to count aloud, holding up a new finger, a bright flame dancing at its tip for every number. Two. Another flame appeared. Gee, Assam could tell that she wasn't scared, but that didn't mean she shouldn't be. Three, Edgar said, his eyes dancing with fire. I'm not going to let you do it, G held the foxes close. Four, I won't let you burn them, Edgar grinned. Don't worry, I'll stomp out the flames for you. Five, his right hand danced with fire. Shut up, the foxes stared up at him, blinking in fear. Another finger, another flame. Six, Assam stepped in between them, facing the younger boy. Stop counting. Don't worry, I will. Seven. Seriously, I don't want any trouble. Then get out of my way. Eight. Nine. Edgar's face glowed with the light from his outstretched hands. In a flash, Assam took it all in, the smaller boy in front of him taking a breath, ready to strike, his sister cuddling the defenseless little bundles of fluff in her arms, defiant but very small before the face of danger. So he did what any big brother should do. He punched the boy in the stomach as hard as he could. Edgar crumpled and fell, the flames trailing from his fingertips like streamers, fizzling out as he put his hands down to break his fall. He sat down heavily and gasped, retching in the sand. He wiped his chin and looked up at Assam. Assam stood over the boy, trying very hard not to shake, or at least to not let Edgar see that he was shaking. You're gonna be wishing you hadn't done that, boy. Edgar seemed fairly confident on this point, and Assam had no doubt that he was right. Before he could reply, not that he had any idea of what to say, his sister stepped forward and said, You know what I wish? Edgar looked up at her, taut as wire. No, he said simply. G looked down at the fox kit, still cradled in her arms, and then raised it to stare back at him. I wish you would stay down, she told him quietly. I wish you would stop for a second and take a breath. She smiled. Take a breath and hold it. Hold it for as long as you can. Edgar gasped, his face twisting with rage. Hold it. G said again, hold it for as long as you can. Edgar's face swelled for a moment. He clawed with one hand against the ground. Look out! Assam turned just in time to see Edgar's hand flash upwards towards his face. He put his hands up, but it was too late. He was blind, his eyes full of sand thrown by the younger boy. He fell to his knees, eyes stinging. His sister screamed in rage. There was a loud sound once again like fabric tearing. He called for his sister. He felt her hand grasp his tightly. I'm here, she said. It's okay. What happened? I don't know. One second he was there, and then he wasn't. She wiped sand from his cheeks. He jerked his head back from her touch. Be careful. Sorry, she sat back. Are your eyes okay? He shook his head. I just have sand in them. She stood up. Hang on for a moment. Where are you going? Just wait. Don't open your eyes. I'll get you something to rinse them. He felt her thrust something large and bumpy into his hands. Here, hold this for a minute. What is it? He asked, even as he felt the little foxes wriggling in his arms. Oh. He heard her move off. One of the foxes barked as though calling her to come back. His eyes burned, the world around him a mass of blurred shape and color. He looked down at the squirming bundle on his arms, barely able to recognize what he was holding. He resisted the urge to rub his eyes. That would only make it worse. Hold still. Put your head back. His sister returned, breathless. What is it? 
His vision was starting to clear somewhat. He felt something cold and wet against his cheek and flinched away. It's just water. Put your head back. He did as he was told, letting her gently wipe his eyes with her fingertips. The water was cold, but not unpleasantly so. It was soothing compared to the stinging sand. Gently, she rinsed his eyes with her fingertips. I've got it, thanks. He raised his hand to wipe at his eyes. Assam looked up at the pale sky and blinked several times. His eyes felt numb. He blinked again, watching through his wet lashes as the sky slowly dimmed. He sat for a long moment, staring around and blinking. How do they feel? He shook his head. They feel fine. But there was a worried, creased look to his face, and he ran his fingertips over them. What's wrong? Do they still hurt? He sat for a long moment, looking up at his hands outlined against the sky. Then he said, No. No, they don't hurt anymore. Then what's wrong? He turned to look at her and heard the breath catch in her throat. His eyes were milky white, clouded over like the sky above. I can't see anything, he said. They walked along the sandy bank, following the slow drag of the river. G was trying very hard not to cry, holding tight to her brother's hand as she led him carefully over the uneven ground. In her other hand, she held her empty jacket. I'm sorry, she couldn't stop apologizing. I'm so sorry. Her brother didn't say anything, just squeezed her hand and stumbled blindly along behind her. He wasn't angry. He didn't blame her. It wasn't her fault, really. She was only trying to help. How could she have known? Of course, all of that aside, he was still blind. Finally, he said, I'm sorry, too. When it came down to it, it was his fault in the first place. He was the one who went off alone, the one who broke the rules. The fox had found out his name somehow. He'd stepped right into her trap. He'd put everything at risk. He was the one paying for it now. And he was sorry for it. I'm sorry, he said again. This time it was his sister's turn to squeeze his hand. I hope they'll be okay, he said, speaking of the foxes. It had been a terrible few minutes when he'd realized what had happened, understanding that he'd gone blind and why. He couldn't speak, couldn't answer her frantic questions. He had wept and screamed himself hoarse, his sister wringing her hands and crying and apologizing over and over again. Neither of them saw the foxes scamper off to escape his despairing rage. After he had calmed down, she thought to look for them, but the foxes were gone. She found them wandering along the river, muddled and confused. When G called to them, the kids started and ran away to hide. No amount of calling would bring them back. She was nearly beside herself, cuddling her empty jacket for comfort. I don't understand why they won't come back, she said to her brother forgetting for the moment that he had some fairly significant complaints of his own. It's like they didn't even recognize me. Assam sat with his head in his hands. They didn't, he said, finally. They don't. They don't remember you at all. Why not? He did not look up. They drank from the river. They forgot everything. Just like my eyes forgot how to see. I told you this before, remember? She said nothing. He stood up, a little off balance. We should keep moving. We'll follow the river. Where? To find Mom. He held out his hand. You'll have to help me. She took her brother's arm 
He flinched at her touch, startled. Sorry. How will we find her? He didn't answer for a long moment. I can still feel her. I can still hear her. I can still find her. She led the way with her brother close behind. They followed the river. She kept one eye out for the foxes, but she never saw them again. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. To receive permission, please contact the author directly by holding up a mirror beneath the full moon one night past its wane and whispering your request into the left ear of your own reflection or in the usual manner at www.tmcamp.com. Unless otherwise noted, all contents of this production are copyright 2007. TM Camp. All rights reserved.